We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Leone, I feel like I didn't really think through this Friday show after Thanksgiving, realizing I was going to have no prep work, be hungover, be tired. And then I, I realized I had like two hours to scramble to get ready. I feel like you were in the same boat today. Yeah, same boat. Uh, generally, we have like a really good first projections run done Wednesday night, but we were so focused on the Turkey Day games that yesterday I didn't do too much work. So I scrambled, got caught up, feel like I somewhat know this slate. It seems like a really fun slate. There's a lot of interesting pricing dynamics to it. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Be- before we get into all this stuff, let's let's do a quick recap of yesterday. So we, for our tilt space lineups, we had a team in the $1,500 single entry. And you would think, hey, you have uh, Fuller and Watson. You know, it's going to be a good day. Uh, not the case. Yeah, not, not when two guys are 80 plus percent owned. It, it doesn't, it turns out that does not move the needle on your lineups too much. And, you know, not having Antonio Gibson was a, a pretty big problem and that that hurt a lot of my teams. Like I had some of him, but I felt like he was on all my teams that stunk and not the teams that were doing well. So it, it went from a very optimistic day. I think I was winning, solo winning the wishbone at halftime of the Dallas-Washington game, and then I ended up just getting crushed. Yeah, and we had one thing we had talked about when we were building lineups too, and I, I agreed with your take about not having McLaurin and Gibson in the same lineup, and the thesis was correct. It's just we didn't pick the right guy who was going to get all the touchdowns. Yeah, even and two, I mean, we also kind of said like take one of Gibbs and Zeke, and I felt like collectively as a group, like that kind of made sense, and it, it did turn out well, but I, I just sort of prioritized Gibson the least of the three, and it was a problem, and the other thing too, if we had known the ownership ahead of time, we probably would have gotten ourselves onto some Amari if we had known that Marvin Jones was going to come in at, at the same ownership as Brandon Cooks and those guys. I mean, he was in everything too. Even in MME, he got up to 50 plus percent owned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone, I, I guess people were, uh, I mean, Hawkinson was very popular as the bring back uh, as well, but yeah, Marv's ownership was up there. Do you think, do you think CD lamb and Amari Cooper are negatively correlated uh, at this point? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a good question. It's We haven't seen them play a good offensive game overall. And it's sort of the theory with the correlation is, you know, the offense rolls, everybody kind of rolls. So they, they end up being more, not as negatively correlated as you would think, but with the way the quarterbacks have played, they ha- the offense has never rolled. So if they're not going to roll, then there's not enough volume for both guys to get there. So it appears to be yes. Yeah. So yesterday was a, a disappointing slate. I was looking at what have I, I had a team in the red zone, $50 single entry. I finished 1128 out of 1130. I'm back to my first or last ways, Leone. That's the way to do it, man. <laughs> That's the way to do it. So did you have a good Thanksgiving though? I did have a good Thanksgiving. You know, I obviously pretty low key this year, but 
that was kind of fine by me. Didn't have to do any traveling, got to relax, crush a bunch of food, looking forward to some leftovers tonight. So it, it, it was a good Thanksgiving. How about you? Yeah, it was, it was good. We were just over at my in-laws with a very low key thing and uh, we are going to go get some leftovers as well after this. So I am, uh, I'm definitely ready for round two. I mean, this is the perfect day to be an intermittent faster. You do one meal yesterday and then you roll into <laughs> one meal today. Uh, so yeah, so here's what we're going to do today. This is going to be kind of free flowing. Uh, like I said, I just did uh, a bunch of my research. Leone just wrapped up a first pass on his projections. There's not a lot of stuff out there right now as far as ownership. So we're going to be flying a little blind on that, but we're just going to kind of talk it through the stuff that is interesting to us, what's jumping out. We also got some uh, questions in the discord. So we'll try to hit on a couple of those. Feel free to drop questions in the chat and then we'll wrap it up. Our guy Siler the man who created the Deposit Kingdom Discord. He's going to hop on with Mike and I and build a lineup for week 12 at the end. So that is the show. Please subscribe if you guys have not done it. Blender is threatening that he's trying to come after me and get more YouTube subscribers than me. I will not have it. We will outpace Blender on YouTube. That's the plugs for now. So, Leonie, what's the, what's your, you know, they, uh, on the Swolecast kitchen asked me for the overzet overview of the week. What's Leone's overview of the week after doing a first pass? First pass is it's a pretty dynamic slate. We have some injury situations up in the air with Ahmed and Todd Gurley. And, uh, I think Balaj is fine, but there's, so we've got four sort of elite quarterbacks in, in good matchups, you know, we got Mahomes and Tom Brady. That should be a shootout type game. Both teams are really pass heavy. They're both top five in my pass rate over expectation. You get Herbert versus Josh Allen. You also get Kyler on the slate. And generally with these slates, we've really been sliding towards stacks and game stacks with the elite quarterbacks because the ceiling's been so high, but their pricing's higher. And you do get some sub 6K guys in good spots. You know, Baker Mayfield finally in good weather in a good matchup. Derek Carr against the Falcons. Daniel Jones against a Bengals team that's in all sorts of trouble now without Joe Burrow. So which way you go is tough. And I think that is added to the fact that you have, you know, super expensive, but while projecting Dalvin Cook and then potentially some cheapo receivers, we get Andy Isabella season with Fitz on the COVID list, possibly some Gabriel Davis. So I don't know, it feels like all over the place, like you could build in a lot of different ways, which is different than sometimes when we get injury situations, it's one super obvious way to build, but I don't think that's the case this week. Yeah. And you mentioned it too. There are lots of interesting injury stuff going on right now. Uh, you mentioned Ahmed. He didn't practice yesterday with that shoulder. I mean, at 5,100, if Ahmed goes, I, I feel like he is a really slam dunk uh, play just based on how many targets he got last week, because it was kind of the concern of, oh, two is not going to throw to these running backs. And yet that was pushing against the narrative of the team wanting to use kind of a, a single bell cow running back. Um, do you, I know some of those targets came from Fitzpatrick when he got put in at the end of the game. Do you have concerns about Ahmed's passing role with Tua? Not too concerned. You know, six targets was great to see. He was in our initial like raw optimal, if you assume him at regular health. And that was something that we kind of got onto late last week. I was watching the established show with Silva talking about how Ahmed, you know, caught passes in college. And we kind of corrected a mistake, which is we assumed like very little pass catching role. And then we were like, well, just because it hasn't happened in a super small, like one and a half game sample, doesn't mean it's not going to happen moving forward. So, uh, I don't think he's going to catch as many as Gaskin did, but it's, he's going to catch enough that at that price tag dominating the carries, you'd be super pumped uh, about playing him. I, also, I guess Gio Bernard is still in the concussion protocol. Not that you know the Bengals backfield has a ton of value, but just yet another situation. Yeah, that is interesting. We got a couple people in the chat. I must have missed this news report, not grinding hard enough uh, this morning that Gaskin might be active. That would be interesting. Um, and then, yes, yeah, what's but- that? He's eligible. I know he practiced a little. It sounded like, I don't know, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And then the Geo thing was, is he was in the concussion protocol, but they um, upped him up to a limited practice, I believe. So that seems to bode well. But I mean, most of these guys, we see it with Swift, like the concussion, if it's on a short week, it's, it's normally at least two weeks that they're missing. Yeah, so Samaje P. Ryan, who, you know, Holka will try to get us to play in our tilt space lineups. <laughs> so 
What do you, uh, another, like another interesting one, you mentioned two of the pump play wide receivers, I think are going to be very popular. Andy Isabella with no fits, Gabriel Davis with no John Brown. What do you, how are you divvying up the, um, targets in Minnesota without Adam Thielen, or are you just giving Justin Jefferson and Dalvin cook a monstrous projection? So I thought, uh, Levitan told me if Thielen gets a second negative test that he He can still play, um, have to double check on that. So right now we have Thielen in, but I'll have to double check that. If he's out, man, it's really difficult to get off Justin Jefferson. And the difficulty in projecting that is always, he's had this absurd efficiency and it's, you know, do we take that down with giving him more volume? Because one, you you know, the defense can key on you a bit more without the second wide receiver. And two, just as you get more volume, you know, maybe you're used a little bit differently. It's just a little bit tougher to maintain that efficiency, but Oh man, he, I, I think Justin Jefferson's one of the top value plays at receiver, you know, whether Thielen's in or out. One question for you, like on how the projection sausage gets made, how do you allocate like TD expectation when Thielen is leading wide receivers in, in touchdowns right now? Are you, do you, how do you divvy up that? I, someone in the chat mentioning Irv Smith, you know, Kyle Rudolph, is it these tight ends that end up seeing more touchdown expectation without Thielen because they seem to use him a ton in the red zone? Yeah, I think it would get, yeah, Thielen has one of our highest TD rates with of any receiver with the volume that he gets. And I think we'd see it kind of just spread out. I, I mean, I don't want to be a cop-out answer, but I think it would be, be mostly spread out a little bit to everybody to kind of get where you think it would be. You also might see, I mean, it's hard to say you'd see even more Dalvin red zone usage, but that's possible. He almost, you know, both of Thielen's touchdowns were on drives last week that one was Dalvin Cook got stuffed twice in a row, and then Thielen had the awesome one-handed grab for a touchdown. Another was like a sprint out right where he could have thrown it to Dalvin or Thielen. So um, I mentioned to you, Dalvin kind of ran bad as a result of those things and still put up 29 DraftKings points. So he he looks like a, a real standout even at 9,500. Yeah, guys, uh, you can tell Leonie and I are in a bit of a, a hangover and, uh, you know, turkey fog here. So uh, no shots quite yet, unless Leonie has a has a little surprise for us. No, no <laughs> we're, I, uh, we're trying to stay married here, guys. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. We've got to, you know, we're teetering on the line. We got to stay on the correct side of it. Uh, I'm just going to keep bouncing around here uh, with stuff that's jumping out to me. Uh, tight end, it seems like everyone's going to play Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Like, are they going to account for over, you know, 50 to 60% of the tight end ownership this week? I think they will be really highly owned. You, you know, you had said to me before we got on all the pump plays were kind of yesterday, you know, Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz, I know Aiken sucked, but you know, he was viable. Whereas this week, you know, our second tier of tight end projections are more of those 4k guys behind Kelsey and Waller. It's not, the pure punk guys, maybe Irv Smith gets there. Um, Irv is probably the best of the pure punts. Yeah. Hey, I was kind of looking at Hayden Hurst uh, a little bit at 3,900. If, you know, if Julio's still banged up, I saw, I was reading uh, Dwayne McFarland over there at ETR with his utilization report and had a stat. Hayden Hurst, other than Mark Andrews, Gronk and Kelsey has the most 20 plus yard receptions on the season, which is, I think pr- fairly interesting for a tight end to to be used that far down the field. Um, I don't know if you have any interest in in him. I saw you know Ingram, Noah Fant, Austin Hooper were the other guys that kind of caught my eye. Um, anything else down there for you? Yeah, um, I like Hurst. You know, we're assuming Julio out. Uh, I kind of want to get your take on a guy that I think you picked up in some of your leagues, but Furtzer as the pure pure punt play, and then also. The target share for Eifert has been growing. You know, Chenault's probably out again. And if you wanted to play like a super cheap, you know, mini game stack there, you probably could in Cleveland Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up. Um, I was trying to see what Gretsch was saying about Ferkser. I know, I mean, Johnu and him kind of seem like they're they're in a split. It's kind of similar to the kind of stuff we're seeing in Indianapolis, right? With, mm-hmm. with Burton splitting with Doyle and all of that stuff. I mean, I guess it's okay taking the uh, 50 side of a 
tight end committee if they're the the stone minimum, but you definitely don't get excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, I mean, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. That's just how bad tight end has been that we're like, uh, do I want to play Evan Ingram for 4,500 or do I want to just save $2,000? Yeah. Um, Daniel mentions Higby was held out of practice yesterday. That would definitely make uh, Austin Everett very interesting if that opened up. Um, of these two top tight ends, I mean, I'm much more willing to eat, I think, the Kelsey chalk than I am the Waller chalk. I mean, both these Raiders guys, Waller and uh, Josh Jacobs, I get so terrified of playing those guys as chalk. Yeah, they seem like, particularly on Waller, I feel like we haven't had, you know, the massive games from him. So on, on average, he's coming below where we're projecting him because he's had a few pretty good games. He had one crazy game, I guess, early in the season, but he's got a lot of single digit performances on the docket this year, which is definitely scary. Um, so I prefer Kelsey. The thing with Kelsey, too. I just think there's going to be a lot of pass attempts in that game. I already said, you know, both these teams are top five in pass rate over expectation. And, you know, you feel really good about that. Whereas the Raiders games, they can shoot out, but they could also go the other way if they kind of control this game against an Atlanta team that's had some problems. Might be without Julio. We know Ryan suffered in games without Julio. And it could be, you just might not get the overall pass volume that you're looking for. For sure. And Clay uh, in the chat mentioning Aguilar, who has either quietly or not so quietly become the Raiders like top wide receiver. I mean, Brian Edwards is back and he's not doing much. Ruggs continues to struggle doing his best Marquise Brown impersonation. I mean, what kind of target share are you projecting Aguilar for these days? It's been really difficult. And it's funny in our, one of our, I think both our dynasty leagues, somehow Dink has Nelson Aguilar and (laughs) his teams aren't doing well though. So we had the midseason trade deadline, which was when Aguilar had like three touchdowns on like six targets or something early. And we're like, okay, Dink, you can't pawn off this like totally egregious run good on Aguilar to anyone. And then since then, he's actually been, you're kind of maintaining that efficiency while being utilized. We've got him all the way up to a 19% target share this week. Uh, the Raiders target shares have been really difficult to figure out because guys like Ruggs, I mean, are you really giving him like a 10% target share? You know, you, you wouldn't expect it to stay that low. And you're also trying to not have Waller project just like an absolute mega god. So they've been one of the trickier teams to figure out all year. They've also played a lot better than last year. So the TD rates have been you know, somewhat tough to shore up for them. Yeah, it doesn't look like Cardi is buying it right now with Aguilar. Only has him projected for 9.81 points and kind of a middling points per dollar value but i i do i do like this game although i thought it was interesting i want to say thorman had this as a pace down game from him and i guess that intuitively um i wouldn't have guessed that but i guess that's just what the raiders want to do right with josh jacobs slow it down yeah and those are kind of you know the issues with again with with waller and whatnot he can end up pretty game script dependent. I'll say on Aguilar, he has a 19.5% target share over the team's last five games. So it sort of got to the point where we just just caved on it. Um, yeah. But slow-paced slogs for Thorman are some of the games I like, which is always difficult. Carolina, Minnesota, Cleveland, Jacksonville, you know, Raiders, Atlanta. You, know, you can read his stuff on ETR to get the detail on that, which is, which is always worth reading to get a little bit more context. Definitely. Um, continuing to jump around here. Um, do you think John, uh, Gabriel Davis, when I sort here on the blitz, uh, Cardi has him popping now as his top points per dollar play at wide receiver. I assume he's going to end up being popular. People will want to target that game. They'll want to think of him as a one for one replacement for John Brown. Do you think um, if we see him up at 15% ownership, which is I'm guessing we will, do you think that's good chalk or bad chalk in that game? 16% ownership. I that's just a guess. I don't know. Bad chalk. I don't know. I'm torn. I really went in hard on Gabriel Davis the last time Brown was out and he laid an egg, but the, the team laid an egg in general that game. That was the game against the Jets where they didn't punt the whole game, but they, kicked, they attempted like seven field goals or something. Gabriel Davis in the two games without John Brown, I think he's played somewhere around 96% of the snaps between those two games. 
So he's going to be out there for a team that's one of the past happiest in the league. They've also shown a propensity to use him in the red zone. So I really like Gabriel Davis. I think I like him more than Andy Isabella, but a Levitan is really beating the drum for Isabella, who I'm worried about the game that Kirk was out, you know, Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson, right? He, he played more snaps and saw way more targets. Now Levitan saying that, the slot role, though, is more of an Isabella thing. So he thinks that Isabella is going to be the primary uh, beneficiary of Fitz being out. You've also got um, – who's the other guy there? Uh, Sherfield's out as well. So they okay. are down to four receivers total. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I prefer Gabriel Davis, though, but I think it's probably close. I am a little excited if Gabriel Davis and Isabella attract all this attention. I mean, Denzel Mims led the league in air yards last week. I think people are going to be a little bit worried about the matchup. And like I said, just better, you know, on paper punt plays. Are you as excited about Mims as I am? Yeah, I smiled as soon as you said that because we have him projecting right in line with those guys to start maybe, maybe even a little bit better from a raw total standpoint. Like he's slightly more expensive because he's 3,500 and those guys are three K, which is another thing that might irrationally move ownership, like more than it should. Just if you're hand building, you know, people tend to just fill out the cap and they might want the cap relief and they'll play the three K guy to just eat, you know, just eke out a little bit more cap relief. So I think he's interesting. I'm also, I got to double check our Jacksonville stuff, but if Chanel is Chanel out again, I, I've just been assuming he's out cause he hasn't. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard any reports about him being back at practice. So I assume he's still not trending in the right direction. Yeah. So, I mean, both Keelan Cole and Chris Conley, I don't know. There's a lot of cheap guys in Jacksonville that it's, it's, but it's an ugly game environment. It's an ugly quarterback situation, but if they're remotely successful, one of those guys from Jacksonville has probably got to get there. I don't know if it's worth the upside, but uh, probably extremely low ownership with the ease of which you can play Isabella and Gabriel Davis. On the, on the flip side, um, we were talking about Gabriel Davis. How about what do we, is Keenan Allen now with what we've seen from him? I mean, is he getting to that kind of like Devonte Adams kind of like set it and forget it? Or is there still some fragility in, you know, projecting him having just this massive floor and ceiling at 8,000? Oh, I think he's just the super good floor. play. these guys with the high catch rates and the high target shares, you know, it's just a completely different dynamic when you're looking at Keenan Allen versus we have Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill projecting very similar this week, but I mean, it's two totally different dynamics. You know, if you were playing a cash game lineup, you know, Keenan over Tyreek all day, you know, right. super easy. You never know when Tyreek could have a, a 16% market share of targets. I mean, he did early in the season. I mean, for a long stretch of games, he was sub 20 and you can't play that in cash at that price. Whereas Keenan, your like your worst outcome, it feels like six for 60, you know, which you're obviously yeah. disappointed in, but it's still, you know, mid teens performance. Uh, Let's talk I'm, about that implied total for the chargers. Yeah. That is super bizarre. Cause I was looking too, and, and Cardi wasn't projecting Herbert that well. You said you had him lower. And uh, what did, what did you discover that might be leading toward that? So, I first discovered that Herbert was projecting less than Brady in our projections, and I didn't want to get fired by Levitan on the spot this week. So I had to dig in a little bit deeper and figure out why. Some of it was just due to the sample size on Herbert's still not big, so it's hard to tell where to put the efficiency in the past game. So I kind of upped that a little bit, sort of just buying Herbert, you know, not going all the way to where he's been, but, you know, clearly looks really, really good, both, you know, on film and in, on paper. But the team total, I was shocked to see because I the way I got him to better projection was, well, his TD rate looks low. I upped the TDs and it's like, oh, we're projecting them for a lot higher score than the Vegas total would indicate at 23.75, which isn't terribly low, but it is actually kind of like below average on this week. And I was just really surprised by that. The game total here is 53. I would have expected you know, more like the high fifties. Um, are there any boots on the ground? Are there any weather concerns for Buffalo this week? 
So I checked that. Shout out to RG and Kevin yep. Roth. You know, right now he's got 10 to 15 mile per hour wins. He's got it as a green game. I don't know if that's expected to change. I didn't see exactly when he last updated that, but the initial look seems fine because that was my reaction too. That was the very first thing I checked when I saw the low team total. Yeah. So it looks like nothing uh, too bad here. Main slate looking pretty good as far as weather goes. Of course, Cleveland, they said to Cardi, they're like, you just got to put us up there. I, we Every week, we like being in the weather game section. You got to make sure you have <laughs> us there. Chance for showers. We can't be left out. Um, I feel like there's that tweet that uh, I think it's, uh, is it Kevin Mays from the ringer where he says uh, the Seahawks have never played a normal game that I feel like the meme now for Cleveland is they have never played in good weather uh, this season. Um, yeah, and just oh, looking ahead. at the bills weather too, it actually looks like a pretty, pretty nice Sunday here, like 50 degrees, sunny. It's supposed to rain at night, but I think that's after. So it looks, it looks good, man. Sounds like you're thinking about shotgunning some beers, doing a suplex onto a folding table there with your brethren. Yeah, you know, perfect <laughs> time for it, right? Everyone get together and wrestle. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, at quarterback, do you? It it seems like most weeks here, ownership is going to be spread out. I'm going to go over. This is just my spreadsheet here and the way I kind of like to visualize these things, I just have salary. The middle column is a ceiling projection. And then I have some ownership, early ownership right now. And just to kind of visualize things. And I was, when I was getting ready for this show here, these two cells jumped out because I was like, man, Leone's two favorite quarterbacks to play in DFS sure look like nice plays. When you factor in price ownership and ceiling, did they jump out for you as well? I mean, the Brady one does a little bit because I think they're just going to pass so much and we've seen Brady really struggle against good defenses, but the KC defense seems like it's taking a step back this year. And I think it's going to be a situation with Brady where against tough defenses, you know, the arm strength might not be there. He's going to struggle. We're going to see a lot of low yards per attempt, high attempt games that don't really get there on efficiency. But as we saw in the Carolina game, when he faces a defense that isn't as strong, the the wide receiver skill just shines through. So he sticks out. He's tough to stack, though, and he's at a price where you could maybe say Brady individually is too low owned for his ceiling projection and his ownership. But when you figure in, you know, who you stack him with and whatnot, and the fact that you can get up to Herbert for six hundred more, you can go down to some of these cheaper options. You know, it might be one of those plays that's better in theory than it is in practice. Yeah. And what are we doing with the running backs in these games? There's a thematic through line here with both of these teams bringing in these dusty veterans to complicate things. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now losing passing work to Darrell Williams, carries to Bell. We have Rojo and Fournette who are now playing almost in strictly game script dependent roles with Rojo being on the wrong side of that last week as they were losing. Um are, are any of these guys interesting to you um, in a high-scoring game, or are they stay-aways? I think they're stay-aways. I mean, I will say running back gets a little bit cloudy fairly quickly. I don't know if you're seeing that as I am, um, but it seems like a lot of like okay values once you get past Dalvin Cook. So if I were to pick one, I'd probably take Fournette and hope it's just a real pass-happy script. Yeah. But I think I'm just off the backs in that game. Yeah. It sounds like Ahmed did return to practice this week and Gaskin is questionable. Okay. Yeah. Ahmed is definitely going to be very interesting there. I got Donnie Watson in the Roto Grinders chat. He is offended that I have Frank Gore on my spreadsheet here at 4,300. Uh, no, uh, P Pirine, his snaps went up last week. Um, you know, he's not going to be popping in Levitan's age model. Uh, in fact, <laughs> with that age model, he probably has a negative projection. Um, is, is he even in play or am I still Thanksgiving drunk, including him here? I think you're Thanksgiving drunk. I think <laughs> Holka might be rubbing off on you a little bit with the Jets running backs. <laughs> I don't see this ceiling there on this slate. You know, I expect Ty, I mean, they still have Ty Johnson there, right? You know, who I, I would think would take the passing down work. And I don't know, man. Do, do you see a slate where after it, commences you're kicking yourself for not having more frank gore exposure no i'm not i'm not uh i thought i thought he was he warranted inclusion on this spreadsheet but yes in my heart of hearts i'm probably not going to play him how about james white 
who now with Rex Burkhead out um, saw a massive uptick in his usage because really he was, he was getting squeezed, you know, James or sorry, Rex Burkhead was squeezing the rushing game and the passing game really opens things up for James White. We mentioned liking Cam and I actually got a question in the discord too. Again, this question comes up a lot about using running backs in your stacks. I mean, with this kind of role and at this price, to me, I feel like James White would be val- uh, viable in a cam stack. Yeah, the role, the price, and I mean, you could single stack cam with James White. So it's a little bit of a different situation than when you're adding in a running back in a double stack. And, you know, you want your stack to really hit, which means kind of spread out production. But then that means the running back is probably good, but not great. And a lot of times there's a lot of opportunity cost at running back. I don't think that's the case when you know James White is getting there on targets alone. You know, he's not getting there on anything in the rush share. And combined with Rex Burkhead over the team's last five games, they've got a combined target share of 26%. And I really think you can take White's small passing dot game role and essentially give him what Burkhead was getting. It's just gonna all funnel to him. It doesn't seem like they're throwing Damian Harris, you know, into a lot of routes even with Sony Michelle active, you know, he's not a pass catching threat. So this would probably be the week to do it too, because you want, that's the type of thing you want to be right on before people see it and react to it. Do you have any thoughts on cam not rushing near as much last week? They went very pass heavy in that game against the Texans and it, you know, supported James White, Bird, even Nikhil Harry had one of his best games in a long time. Do you think that was uh, noisy or do you think they are trying to throttle back the designed runs for Cam? I really have no idea. Uh, I know I've scaled back his rushing share just a little bit uh, based on that because generally kind of want to see how volume's trending throughout the year. And I wanted to bring it down because we have like a really high rush share on him. But if I'm playing him, I'm still probably single stacking him and hoping you know, he gets there on rushing with me picking out the pass catcher that you know, we've seen. If you look at the weekly breakdown for target shares for New England, every week there's like one guy who kind of just really pops. And you're, so you're hoping you, I think you single stack, you pick the right guy who gets a big concentration of targets and you keep that rushing upside. So I'm not overly thinking um, the lack of rushing work for Cam last week. Okay. Yeah. And so you mentioned the single stack. Would would you do a cam to white single stack or would you prefer to use white as a one-off or go the double stack route with one of the wide receivers? I think Myers still looks like the guy you probably want there week to week. Yeah. We've got Myers as the best value projection. Um, Man, this is tough. I have to think through if white has, you know, the ceiling that I want. And I think he might on this week, I think the way this week lines up that he might be, you know, for $600 cheaper than Ahmed. And let's say Ahmed plays and Gaskin doesn't Ahmed's probably going to be chalky, right? At 5,100. So to get white at a fraction of that ownership, $600 less, I don't think it's crazy to think white outscores Ahmed if he gets a real big game uh, in password. So I think it's viable. And then obviously you can bring it back with, anyone on Arizona you know the chalky Isabella or but like you would think Kirk and Hopkins probably benefit a little bit from fits out with some of those lower ADOT uh, targets opening up yeah I was running um, some optimals here uh, using Cardi's projections and I was getting uh, a decent amount of cam ones and it was actually for the bringbacks. I was getting a mixture of Isabella, some of the running backs here. Um, but if Isabella becomes, I feel like if you're saving money with like the James White and Jacoby, I do feel like you can pay up for a premium DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins play there. And he's fully off the injury report now. Like I know there was maybe some lingering concerns there. People maybe just not quite as high on him as they were earlier in the season. Um, I assume that's your preferred bring back, obviously, in a vacuum, but are, are any of those other guys interesting to you? Kirk, maybe? Um I th- I think I think they're all they're they're all like okay to me. I don't I don't have a strong preference. I do think you're right that if you're taking the cap relief with a cam white stack, that I probably want the upside of 
Kirk or Hopkins and get off the chalkier Isabella. Like Isabella could be three times as owned as Christian Kirk, which yeah. is a little bit wild. So um, Kirk there might actually be my favorite in the middle where, you know, you relieve some of the burden of the amount of points he needs to score because he's so much cheaper than Hopkins, but you, you get more ceiling at a lower ownership than you get with Isabella. Yeah. Kirk is Kirk has really been, coming on here uh of late you know he's really settled in here i mean like you look at his target shares uh or just raw targets over these past four weeks eight eight six six here um so yeah he he has a pretty nice role and has that ceiling i guess the the main thing here too is like if kyler's shoulder is going to slow him down at all because it doesn't seem ideal where he's at right now yeah, I did a podcast with Kevin Cole on Wednesday, and I know he's concerned about the shoulder. I was saying I have a tendency to underreact to these things where I kind of want to see it. And I try not to overreact, and, and as a result, I sometimes go too far and, and underreact. So I probably, though, won't have much Kyler exposure, though, just with how expensive he is and all the alternative options. You know, And I don't think the field is going to be scared off him where you're passing up on like a 3% owned Kyler. So uh, I know you're asking more in, in terms of how it affects the offense and, and the pass catchers in general, but it's almost easier for me to just check off Kyler, but still have some exposure to his receivers. Yeah. We got Jack asking about this Tennessee Indiana game. Uh, I know that was another one that surprised me when I saw Thorman had that in the pace up game, just because the Colts seem to play slow. They seem to stifle offenses. Um, what are your thoughts on on that game? It definitely made me want to give it a closer look. And we also have Jonathan Taylor, who, again, I, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts if you think that is kind of noisy or not. But he really had a role change this last week where, and again, I saw he had 11 carries while trailing and 11 carries while leading. So really kind of, you know, getting back in a territory where he's not super game script dependent. Um, that's me rambling. What are What are your thoughts on this game and those guys? Yeah, no, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot for tournaments. Like I said, I think running back is going to be a bit more spread out than the ownerships maybe come in at. I have it pretty spread out after Dalvin. And as a result, whenever that happens, I like to be pretty contrarian at running back. I know people generally don't go contrarian, but when it gets tight and clustered like that, I think it makes sense. And Wilkins was basically all the way cut out last week, right? I'm trying to pull up the snap count. Um I know I've had a tough time projecting that. I've sort of middled what happened last week, which is what was happening the previous three or four games. So I've treated, you know, last week as at a pretty high weight, but I'm not assuming the exact same situation. And bring it up, yeah, Wilkins played nine snaps last week, 10%. Taylor was up to 56% snaps, got a 20-plus carry game too. That's really good too. I mean, 20-plus carries, because sometimes as the team carries up, you start to see the carry share spread out because they don't want to give it all to one guy. They kind of want to rest him double digit target share. I think he's a great tournament play. I'm not ready to project Wilkins at a 10% snap share just because we've seen this bounce back and forth. Even week two, when Mac went out, we saw 90% Jonathan Taylor snaps or something, 90% rush share or whatever. And it was like, okay, this is happening. And then the very next week, all of a sudden it was down. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can, confidently project Wilkins out, but you can also in tournaments take advantage of the fact that other people who are doing projections like me probably aren't confident. And as a result, if we're wrong, people aren't playing Taylor because of the projection when we know there's a chance the projection inputs might just be wrong there. Let's talk about these Colts wide receivers. Cause I feel like this is a classic Leone situation. You have the guys like Davis and Adam and me chirping about Michael Pittman and the age model. And then you have T Y Hilton here who quietly saw some nice opportunity last week is down here at 3,900. My guess is Leone's projections are going to tilt in favor of T Y Hilton. If I know you. Oh man. I, I was so mad at Davis last week. Cause we had, he, he, someone asked him a one v one with Pittman, and he said Pittman. And I took the other side, and Davis was right because Pittman had that touchdown. And Davis said, you know, his range for target share was eighteen to twenty two percent, and and of course Pittman comes in with an eight percent target share last <laughs> week in the game that Davis is victory lap, and I'm just tilting my face off over it. I have Pittman and Hilton projected basically the same, but but Hilton's eleven hundred bucks cheaper. I do think there's a chance like our TD rate on Hilton is too high. You know, if you think he's mega washed, 
my inclination here is to I don't know, man. Why do you <laughs> in these situations? This reminds me of like the T. Higgins AJ Green last week, where yeah. I was taking a lot of shit for liking AJ Green more, but he was two thousand dollars cheaper and he was still getting volume. And that that's sort of what it looks like to me, where yeah. I'd rather have Pittman and D.Y. Hilton. I hope Pittman's way better going forward, but you can't completely ignore how they're using the players right now. Like that still matters quite a bit. So I'd probably play Hilton at lower ownership and a lower price, a meaningfully lower price than Pittman. Yeah. And it looks like Cardi has it similar to where he has Pittman uh, projected for, you know, only like a half a point more. But when you factor in the price, he's just, uh, Hilton's a much better points per dollar play there. I, I do think if if we like this game and no one wants to play Hilton, like I, for some reason, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I can articulate it, but I have like more of a stomach for playing Hilton than even AJ green, maybe because I don't even feel like the competition, AJ green having to deal with Higgins and Boyd feels a lot more than what Hilton is having to deal with, with Pittman and whoever else. Yeah. And I'm trying to pull it up now, but in general, it's, it's gross though. Right. The last four games, so the last four weeks for the Colts, do you know who their leading target player is and what his target share is their last four games? I don't know. Is it is it Hines? Zach Pascal with a 13% target share. <laughs> wow. So there's part of me that just says, like, let's not even yeah, let's not even bother. But but we're talking about stacking the game, so you kind of do have to bother if you're stacking the game. I would not play any of these guys not in a game stack, I guess, is is what I'm getting to. And I think I'd rather take this shot on Jonathan Taylor and play. I mean, you, you could double running back this game, quite frankly. And, but AJ Brown too. Yeah. Looks pretty juicy to me this week. Like I really like AJ Brown at first glance. That was my two here with my uh, very simple uh, conditional color formatting metric. A lot of green looking at AJ Brown for both price ceiling and lack of ownership there. And also, man, are people not going to play the big dog again this week? I think they're going to, I don't know the big dog. I played the big dog last week (laughs) and I had him on all the wrong teams. So by the end, even though I had good big dog exposure, I was kind of rooting against him at that point. And then he scores 15 points in overtime. It's just unbelievable. Is there anyone that gets there? But dude, Derek Henry 2.0 is the play this week in Nick Chubb. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, people were mentioning uh, Kareem Hunt as well. I mean, the concern for Nick Chubb, uh, he didn't get a single one of their high-value touches. Kareem Hunt had four of the green zone touches. Um, but I, I'm with you in that Chubb is the you know Henry-esque guy who can just rip one at any time and change the game. And the spot against Jacksonville is really nice. Yeah, and that's the, the meta game and the tough, you know, it, in doing analysis, it's like... I'm more of a zoom out type of guy and and I I'm kind of just ignoring the green zone touches last week and thinking it's fluky. Whereas I could see someone who's like, Oh man, hunt at $1,500 cheaper. Like that's the play. Uh, He's also the one getting the targets, but the case for Chubb is that, I mean, you hate to call people outliers and say you can identify outliers, but it's the Derrick Henry thing, right? Where if he hits, I mean, these are the two guys that are most likely to break long runs, I think, in the entire league. And Cleveland, theoretically, could have just run the ball so many times in this game. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think Nick Chubb is a little bit of an outlier as a rusher, whether it's him, whether it's the team setup, whether it's a combination. But that's why I call him mini Derrick Henry, because he's the guy that goes from eight DraftKings points to 23 DraftKings points, you know, just like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially like if if you're telling me I have to choose between a 20% owned Josh Jacobs or at the same price, essentially play, you know, a seven or 8% owned Nick Chubb. I'm taking Nick Chubb there every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yeah. Um, But what, what else? Uh, we mentioned that there's some uncertainty with the Jags wide receivers. I mean, James Robinson just continues to motor along with this kind of bell cow workload. And DraftKings doesn't really seem to price him up accordingly. I mean, it seems like the ownership might actually catch up with it this week. What are your thoughts on a 6,300 James Robinson? Yeah, I'm worried a little bit the ownership does catch up on him. And again, I think there's a lack of 
the way I'm seeing it, I think there's just a lack of clear cut mid tier values and, and we might see stuff funnel to Jacobs, Ahmed Robinson. Uh, also curious your Kalen Balaj take uh, in, in that tier as well. But to answer your question on Robinson, I, I think he's fine. You know, I think he's probably even in the cash game consideration this week. If he's one of the highest owned running backs, though, I'm much more likely to not play him than play him just because I think you can make some pivots that are going to be lower owned and you're not really sacrificing a lot of projected points. As far as Bellage, this was some stuff I had pulled from Gretsch's here. Uh, 53% of the routes and 67% of the rushing attempts. Big snap share, eight high value touches, but what wasn't great. And he lost actually uh, two green zone touches. Uh, Pope and Joshua Kelly each got one there. Um, what's that? I was just saying, do you know when he lost that? Like if it was possible, he lost those because I know he got banged up for like a little bit in that game. That's a good question. I, I I'm not as into the uh, the minutia there on You're not that. Watching every play and charting when those green zone touches occurred, Peter. No, I just give people money who have substacks to do that work for me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I do think he's he's interesting just as if he is having that kind of workload and a lot of the passing game. You know, Keenan Diggs, Gabriel Davis. If those guys are all getting the attention, um, I think. I think he could be nice there. I was surprised when I was doing my season long stuff uh, earlier. Uh, John Paulson had Zach Moss ranked pretty high. I haven't seen him popping for DFS. Is is there any other running backs in this game that you might be interested in? I don't think so. I I don't see enough pass work for Moss yet. You know, I think he's evened up on rush share with Singletary and he's going to take the goal line touches, but until he passes him in target share, those two kind of project pretty flat to me and without a ton of upside. Yeah. Yeah, man, we have, we have so many committees now on these teams that make it so hard. Like so many plays just get, get wiped off the, uh, wiped off the board there. Um, expect like, do you prefer, I like, what do you per, I assume if you're just straight projecting, it's easier if like, say the teams are using Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Similarly, that's an easier projection than say the Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, where they're so game script dependent. Yeah. Cause you're middling it a little bit and that comes down to just how many rush attempts, pass attempts for the team are you projecting? Right. You know, I yeah. think as far as the shares go, we have a pretty good idea, but even the rush shares do change. You know, if you're running from behind, um, you know, Fernet might be in there and his carry his share of the carries might go higher too. So it it is a little bit tougher to do the Fernet Jones stuff. And these are situations that, you know, on one part of me says you kind of avoid them for the reasons I just stated with Moss and Singletary. Another part of me says these are the guys that you quietly in a way have a higher ceiling because we could be so wrong on their volume. Whereas someone whose volume, we know exactly what it's going to be. You just need them to run really hot on efficiency, right? Whereas, I don't know, let's say it was a pure pass game for the Bucks, and Fournette was out there for 75% of the game. Like he's going to probably smash, you know? Yeah. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I had one question that I want to get to from the discord, and then we're going to bring Siler on and he's going to build a lineup with us to wrap up. But I thought, Leone, we could answer this question. So, New York values here in the chat. He's asking about some good principles for contest selection. He, he likes the spy and that stuff, but it's out of his bankroll. So I'm looking for some other contests with similar traits. So I thought we could head to the DraftKings lobby and let's say, let's say if we had, you know, uh, I don't know, let's say less than 50 bucks, how we would go about identifying some contests that have similar um, structures to the things we like to play at maybe a slightly higher buy-in here. And, and maybe we could talk it through for people. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's head over there. So one thing I will say too, budget. one ahead. thing I will say is about the thing I find the filtering, um, for DraftKings lobby is way better on the phone. They actually have like more on the app. They have more filter tags, um, where you can get more in the minutia, um, with settings, but we will, we will do it here. Yeah. I don't, I, I feel like I've just scrolled for an eternity and I must be like filtering wrong. Okay. I think I've got it filtered a little bit better now. So I'm going to, 
I have tournaments on right. The one thing you can do on the app is you can put the, you can query for single entry in three max. Um, it have all of those. I think here we can just, we can search for just single entry here. And the nice thing I have the Roto Grinders Chrome extension up so we can see what the rake is. That's what the margin there is in yellow. And then it also shows overlay that doesn't really come into play. And then the other thing I'll mention Leone is for most of these contests, they will have a bigger one. And then once that fills on like Saturday night or Sunday, they'll release another one that's smaller. And that sometimes can be nice if you're like, hey, I don't want to play in a 2000 person contest. Wait for the Sunday one and you might be able to get it in at like a 750 size contest. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I'll mention too, you know, we're looking at kind of the featured tournaments. If you look at the non-featured ones and you do the ones that just say, you know, NFL $5 contest. They have those with 118 people, 230 people, and you're not going to win a whole ton, but like that helps you level up your bankroll. And that's something we did with Tilt Space. I mean, the bankroll was higher to start, but if you're more likely to win these small field tournaments, then once you do that, you can move your stakes up a little bit and stay in a small field tournament. And then you're more likely to win again than if you're you know kind of reaching for this bank. So I think... A lot of times people think, well, I'm just in it to win a ton of money and they don't realize, well, one way you could win a ton of money is, yeah, banking a really large field tournament. Another way is to compete in a tournament like once every few weeks and slowly level up the stakes that you're playing. So uh, if you do some of these just straight, con- you know, it just says like NFL $5 contest. There's a 237 person one, for example, 150 bucks to first. You know, 10th place is more than 10% of first. It looks like a pretty flat payout structure. But if you're looking at the featured ones that you've got up now, I think you might have to eat like we're playing in a lot of 200 man fields. You might have to eat more like a 600 man field to kind of realize your upside a little bit more. There's that chop block and that's 50 bucks, but that's a good like type of thing. Um, what do you think about that? Are you... We generally like if we can find one with a 2x min cash, right? I actually don't care about the min cash. I care uh, about the true. Because the way we're playing, ideally, is we want to be able to compete to win when things go right. So I like the top 10 to be flat because I, if I have a top 10 performance, I want to be rewarded for that. I don't want to get absolutely killed if I come in fourth instead of first. Um, but as far as the min cash stuff... You know, if your bankroll management is smart and you're not relying on that to play again the next week, I don't, I think that is like some, sometimes a little bit noisy as far as how much you should really take that into account. But I know other people feel differently. Yeah. And so just to kind of put a bow on it too, like, um, I, I, you know, I talk with Brian Hooper a lot too, and he loves playing on Yahoo and stuff. And there's some, some really nice smaller contests over there. Like if you're really willing to shop around. And then I think to Leone's point, and I'm having a hard time pulling them up uh, from the desktop, but there are all of those contests that aren't like the guaranteed prize pools, but are the tournaments that if they fill, you're good to go. And those are where you can get in the much smaller ones. So even as a practice, like what I like to do too, is even if I'm playing in say a bigger single entry, like the fair catch or whatever, I might try to find a 200 person tournament to toss it in as well. And just kind of smooth out the variance of like, I might brick this one, but I might sneak in a min cash in a 200 person field. Yeah. You'd be surprised how often too you make more money in the smaller field than you do in the bigger field, sometimes even when the smaller field's a lower entry fee and you make more money than you do in a bigger field at a bigger entry fee because of how now obviously you're giving up some huge bank potential. And the other thing too, with those like regular contests, my inclination, I don't know for sure, but my inclination is people are really playing dumping cash games into those contests, which if you're playing the tournament correctly, that should boost your ROI. For sure. For sure. All right, let's bring on, we got Siler. In the hopper, Siler, welcome to the show. You are the man behind the Deposit Kingdom Discord. You're the mod, the sole moderator in the chat over here with the, with a, what's the tool? Is it a, a screw? I don't even know what it is, but you are the moderator. Siler, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, hello. It's uh, it's fun to be here. I brought a little guest. Uh, it's a little beer from a, a local brewery in Colorado. You might have heard of it. Oh, uh, wow. 
<laughs> Look at that. You saw that there was far uh, not enough drinking on this. So you, you brought the Coors Light to uh, to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to, you know, relax a little bit. Gotta, gotta, gotta get my juice for this lineup we're about to build. That's right. That's right. So uh, as per tradition on the Friday shows, we're going to build a lineup. You know, I'm actually feeling a lot better, more comfortable with the slate uh, after talking it through with Leone. And uh, Siler, you are our guest of honor here. So I'll let you kick things off. You can do a, a one-off play you love, or if you got a stack you want to start us with, we will uh, we will build this together. Uh, stack I was looking at, or at least a game to target, was the Oakland-Atlanta game. I mean, the, the total is pretty high. The pacing is down in it, which is kind of strange since the total is fifty-four. But I don't know; they got cheap options. I don't, I don't know. T- touching those cheap quarterbacks that don't really run is kind of boring. But I mean, we've seen Derek Carr ceiling games and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I really, it's really hard to get away from the Buffalo uh, Los Angeles game. But I don't know. This looks like John Brown's going to be out, and since yep. John, since John Brown's been out. I don't know. Josh Allen is like a different person. I, I don't understand that, that. That shouldn't really translate, but I guess it. that's what it's been showing. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, pick Derek Carr, Der, uh, yeah, Derek Carr or uh, Matt Ryan. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? I think I, I lean Carr. What about you? Lean I like that too, that, you know, you mentioned hard to get off Buffalo chargers, but this Las Vegas game is actually like a slightly higher total, which is interesting. Um, I like Ryan better just because I, it's such a clean double stack. If Julio's True. out with like Ridley Hurst or something or Ridley other pass catcher and bring back Waller. So I, I like the Ryan side a little bit better, but I'm not, I think both quarterbacks are in play this week with some of the, you know, with Dalvin cook being so high priced and whatnot. I almost, don't you think it's maybe actually a little cleaner with car because you could do like car Waller ag. Aguilar and bring it back yep. with Ridley versus yep. if you go Hurst, you're probably not doubling right tight end. end. Yeah. It, Hurst has been missing practice too with an illness, I think. It's just I don't know. Risky. Oh, he has? Okay. Why don't we let why don't we do the why don't we do the car? We will do the car. Um I, I assume I don't want to make a sum. You do you want Aguilar? Yeah, I mean he's forty nine hundred and oh my gosh. Yeah, he actually has a ceiling. So I mean you guys were talking about it earlier. Uh, Leone, are you okay eating Waller chalk in a Derek Carr lineup? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, you got, you have to play Waller if you're stacking Carr, I think. And then I assume Ridley is the the obvious bring back, right? I, I, I would think so. I mean, yeah. we we could we could play Russell Gage. That, that sounds pretty gross. <laughs> Zacchaeus. Let's, let's yeah, get Zacchaeus. this chalk week. <laughs> I mean, Ridley came back last week. Um, nine targets, 90 yards. Um, he's getting healthier. Um, so, uh, I'm hopeful that he has some more explosion games in him. Um, okay. Leone, I will, you know, Siler got us on this stack. Um, I, I feel like I know who you're going to say the little, the little dog. Yeah, that is who I was going to say. Nick Chubb. I knew you're going to do it. I was just doing a little bit of math on the salary in my head, but I think we're, I think we're good. Yeah. I like, I like that call for sure. Should we, um, should we correlate him with one of these cheap Jags wide receivers to try to save some money here? And a uh, little correlation. If Chubb is the, if the little dog is eaten, uh, one of these guys coming back. Oh my gosh. Wow. No, no one jumping up and down. To I, I, like, <laughs> we've got, so Levitan pushed, did push his very first run of ownership projections and he's got chart Conley, Keelan Cole all at 1%. So it, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like it, it's hard to stomach, but I mean, if Cleveland's got a weakness, it's in the past game, but I mean, if Jacksonville's got a real weakness, it's a quarterback. So <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a tough one. The good thing with like Conley or Cole is y- you need them to beat or keep pace with Isabella and Davis, right? You don't, you know, cause if they do that, you're, you're going to be fine. Even if like all three kind of stink, like you're still probably okay, given how the field's constructing. Um, but Chark is, you know, like the home, you know, kind of the home run type of pick. I mean, I, I, the one position I have not looked at at all is defense. Um, but if we just throw, uh, 
something in here that so we have 5500 left i mean i think we can definitely afford chark unless we're trying to jam dalvin in which case we probably need to to go for a cheaper jags wide receiver yeah and we could also do i mean there's also the chubb cleveland correlation and just hope that cleveland just dominates the game and um, yeah i definitely could that's for sure um where um siler we'll we'll go back to you now um you know if we do go with browns d running back wide receiver and a flex decent amount of money um what are you thinking here oh my gosh oh my gosh so many options uh let's see mims no man air air yards leader mims no oh yeah i mean you don't have to twist my arm on (laughs) on mims i mean one correlate out of just curiosity if we if we are getting back ahmed and you did like an Ahmed Mims, does that leave us enough for Oh, that's a good question. Alvin? Oh. You short? No, about two thousand dollars short. Yeah. I oh. just mess with it. If you if you do Dalvin, you have to do double cheap receiver, basically. Okay. Uh, so it's either like but the Ahmed Mims is interesting, and then you could get then it gets into like uncorrelated one-offs that are, but like yeah. that are solid. I mean, the Minnesota receivers, if you're not playing Dalvin, the you're close to digs. If you fooled around with defense a little bit there, AJ Brown, who I like a lot. I mean, you leave some cap, but here's a real quick question for you, Leone, because people, I think this is a good point. So Darnold is back. Uh, Flacco been pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. I feel like, Crowder has had the better games with Darnold. Do you worry about that at all? Or do you think he's just earned those air yards and that, and that stuff will continue? I worry about it because the Crowder target share has been, you know, oddly low and you want to be prepared for that to come back up. Like even if Darnold wasn't back, you kind of want to be a little bit prepared for that. So with Darnold, being back that maximizes that fear somewhat, but the role for Mims has just been so good that I think like even if you scaled it back, you know he's been a twenty five percent target share guy. If he's a high teens guy, getting some looks down the field, I mean you have outs here um, with the way he's been used as long as it's not completely transformed. And even when it was Darnold, you know Mims's looks were mostly down the field, so I think you have outs on big plays even if you guess wrong on the the volume. Okay, so yeah. looking. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. I was looking at a combination of Dalvin Cook with Vikings correlation. I mean, I I don't know. I don't get too excited about pairing the running back with the defense, but I mean, if if, it's a it's Carolina, so but it does allow us to fit Mims. And actually, we got forty one to spare if we go Dalvin Vikings get off the Browns D. The other thing too with getting off the Browns here is, I mean, I look at these plays right here that we're just missing out on Diggs, Tyreek. Henry Keenan, even Nuke. Like I, I do think it probably makes sense to get off of the Browns D here if we are going to want to play one of these one-offs who all have really high ceilings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What is the? I hadn't even looked. What is our slate for four p.m.? So we have New Orleans, Denver, San Francisco, Rams, and KC, Tampa Bay. I would almost um, lean toward maybe going to Tyreek, and, and then you have some late swap options as well i don't know what you guys think of that um let me see the interesting thing about tyreek is i think he well first of all he's just been absolutely on fire and then if he does go under owned relative to travis kelsey that's probably some nice leverage there if he gets the touchdowns and he's the most expensive receiver in the game so if we were to get off of him we've got a plethora of options within that game yeah, I was going to ask who who would our main options be there? Michael Thomas as a swap. Yeah, I guess once you're going with Tyreek Hill, who's already cheap as is that or low owned as is, then you are you're probably just letting it rip. Yeah, I guess the thing you just like hit the nuts and you're like, well, let's just play Kelsey and guard against that. But I think you're probably just playing Tyreek. So there you guys, there you guys go. I mean, this is uh, one of those things. We got a lot of injury situations. Uh, ownership is really uh, fragile right now. Everything's kind of solidifying. We haven't seen the content take machines ramping up yet for, for chalk to solidify. So as always, 
do your own research. This lineup is not financial advice. Um, <laughs> but uh, Siler, thank you for uh, for hopping on. Thank you for being the the uh, the the prince of the deposit kingdom. We appreciate all you do for us. Oh, thank you. Thank, thanks for allowing it to happen. It's it's been great. Everybody in there is such a good time. Learn learning a little bit, finding uh, some new beverages to try and whatnot. <laughs> some, some IPAs, whatever. I don't know. Not a, not a fan of IPAs. They don't taste very good. So sorry, guys. It's all good. And uh, Leone, thank you for uh, for hopping on with me here uh, and saving everyone from me flying solo and uh, rambling for an hour. So I appreciate it. Yeah, always love chatting with you. Yeah, and what uh, what's your schedule? I assume you're back with Establish the Show with Dink, a more sober version tomorrow? A more sober version of Establish the Million where we'll you know break down our look at GPP. Dink has more of an MME slant. I have more of the small field tournament slant. So it's, it's usually a pretty good mix. Awesome. Uh, and a few other plug things here. I did just this morning put up the league on DraftKings. Uh, wow. Filling fast. 134 of 200. Uh, we will get the links down below or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'll get that to you. If you guys haven't subscribed to the Roto Grinders and my YouTube channel, please do that. Hit the like button. Um, I hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. So for Siler. For Michael Leone, thank you to Roto-Grinders for hosting us. I'm Peter Overzet. We will see you guys on Monday for the review.